Hi, Sam. Hi, Lauren. Are you ready to talk about Rebecca? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. All right. <laughs> Before we started out, we were singing. Um, we were I singing, will survive. I will survive. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. It's a fun song. Yeah. It's a very fun song. So right before anyway, we started recording. I'm good. Uh, but right before we started recording, my neighbors were fighting and I was nervous because. Um, I don't think that the microphones would pick them up, but at the same time, I was like, will the microphones pick this up? But they're done now. They've made up, I guess. But That's good. Anyway. Were you listening with your ear to the wall? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were my neighbors below, so I had my ear on the floor. No, oh, I didn't. okay. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't have to do anything special. I was just sitting here. I couldn't really understand what they were saying. I could just hear their voices. I couldn't, but- like, make it out. But, um... <laughs> It's intense. I can't imagine living in an apartment and having like a coral. Like that that seems really nerve-wracking to me. Oh yeah. I know, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm sure, I I don't doubt. I mean, obviously it <laughs> happens. Like if two people are living together, there's going to be disagreements, you know. Yeah, um I live in a place that's way too small for two people. So <laughs> Oh, me too. That would be miserable yeah 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 I knew a couple who lived in the same apartment not like with me they lived in the same style of apartment as me like in this complex and I thought I have too much stuff to live here alone I can't imagine having somebody (laughs) like live here with me because where would all of our stuff go that's the thing right yeah you have to get clever about your um your storage space you know yeah, we could just build an extra like, stairway with Rubbermaid boxes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, I have an entire closet that's dedicated to my crafts. So that's, you know, like anyone else would use it for whatever reason. But I'm like, I got a ton of paint in there. I mean, I have a ton of crafts. But I also keep my purses in there and my... Uh, vacuum cleaner and like my I have like these things to hang up laundry on so not entirely but it's like 90% crafts for sure yeah 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 I think the moral of the story is these closets are full yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna move yeah. to an apartment if I'm sure gonna live with a storage space I moved out with my friend Lindsay we were roommates the first time I moved out and we were looking at places and I said, we each need our own bathroom. And it's not necessarily that we can't use the other person's bathroom. It's just, if both of us need to use the bathroom, we need to have the capability for us to do it at the same time. You know? Yeah. 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 No, I get that. As someone who has frequent bathroom issues like that, I totally get that. You need, you need your separate space. Plus like it, I, it drives me nuts when like people's shit is all over their counters. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, oh. move your shit off the counter. <laughs> like it's like yeah, like, like go in the fine, toilet. But your shit's not okay. <laughs> what? What'd you say? I said like go in the toilet. <laughs> I'm yeah. just making a literal joke. No, I agree. Like it's nice to have just like your own spot for your like bathroom 
various bathroom supplies and things but yeah yeah all your lotions and potions <laughs> yeah yeah like, there just needs to be like, at uh, least at least two bathrooms i think you know i mean what if you're a shy pooper then <laughs> it's all like i've yeah. driven home i went to school in allendale which people who aren't from michigan don't know this but i grew up let's say it's about a 25 minute drive from my house to grand valley where i went to college and i drove home on a break between classes to go to the bathroom once <laughs> that sucks and i got home because i'm i'm shy i've gotten i've gotten better over the years like as i've gotten older i'm like okay it this is natural everybody does it and plus having to work, like not this year because I'm working at home, but like having to work in an office eight hours a day, you got, you can't like leave to go to the yeah. bathroom, you know? But um, right. when I was, I don't know, I was probably like 20 and I came home and my mom's like, oh, you're back early. And I said, I'll just, I just have to go to the bathroom. And then I, and, she, and then I said, okay, but I'm leaving again. And then when I got home again, later that night, my mom said, did you come home just to go to the bathroom? <laughs> and I said, yes, I did, mom. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, we've all made our sacrifices when it comes to bathroom related things. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that was one of the, like, one of the reasons I didn't live in the dorms. And that's kind of a regret of mine. Like, I wish I would have experienced that, but I just really liked having my own space and having, you know, I liked living with my parents better right. than like living with strangers and sharing showers and stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't see the appeal of living with a stranger. Not, not like I'm almost 34 now. Um, I don't see the appeal of living with a stranger. Like at this point in my life, it's like, Oh, that sounds terrible. Ew. Why would I want to do that? Like, like the whole idea of like going to hostels like i'm like no definitely not <laughs> like i'm i'm way too old at this point to want to do something like that yeah i think that um a hostel would be slightly different if i was alone i definitely wouldn't stay in a hostel but if i was like traveling with somebody i think like one or two nights in a hostel i would feel okay about but i would much prefer a hotel yeah. I mean, it's it's each to their own, you know, but it's yeah. whatever. Yeah. Everyone has their yeah. thing. Anyway, so you have a little mini topic that... I do uh, have a little mini I topic. I did mine last week. Yeah, I was going to do one, and then I started... I started looking into things and I like immediately was like, oh my God, I'm so exhausted. <laughs> I just was like, never mind. I'm not going to be able to do this. I was too... I was like... I was like just so like I was fine and then all of a sudden I started looking and I was like totally drained of energy like I was like oh that's exhausting sounding so I didn't end up doing it but yeah but what's yours so I went slightly unorthodox with mine because I was brainstorming historical people and events and I couldn't really think of a historical real story that I wanted to cast and I thought of a book that was one of my favorite books growing up, and it's based on real events, and I casted that. And the book is called Number of the Stars by Lois Lowry. <gasps> I love that book. I think I've 
probably in my adolescence i i'm sure i read this book 25 times like i oh, i yeah. love it and it's it's a book that was written for young adults like probably between the ages of like 10 and 14 you know so it's very it's a very quick easy read but i would recommend still anybody read it if you're an adult because it's very powerful and lois lowry is an amazing writer and she brings to light a lot of like social issues that I think a lot of other adolescent writers, like writers of young adult books, didn't necessarily do in the style didn't that she, she write did. The Giver? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love The Giver. And so Number of the Stars is, uh, it's about a young girl. Her name is Anna, Anna Marie. And they, it's about Denmark in 1943 when the Nazis were trying to relocate the Danish Jews and so Anna Marie's family takes in her best friend Ellen and then they take her to the seashore with other Jewish people and they smuggle them to Sweden aboard fishing boats, Danish fishing boats. And when I was in the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., there was um, there was one of those boats was in the basement of the museum. And it was fascinating to see it in real life because when you think fishing boat, I, you know, when I would read this book when I was a kid, I would think of like a charter fishing boat, like very spacious, but the boat that was in the Holocaust museum was very small and they were smuggled underneath the floorboards. So it was very tight and I'm sure it was a very scary, uncomfortable journey. But something interesting about this book is um, it has like an afterword from the author and these facts, I'm going to read them from, from the book. I'm going to read it. These facts were pretty outstanding to me. And it said, so on the new year of the Jewish high holidays in 1943, those who gathered to worship at the synagogue in Copenhagen were warned by the rabbi that they were going to be taken and relocated by the Germans. The rabbi knew because a high German official told the Danish government who passed the information along to the leaders of the Jewish community. So most of the Jews, except for a few who didn't believe the warning, fled. And in the weeks following the Jewish New Year, almost the entire Jewish population of Denmark, nearly 7,000 people, was smuggled across the sea to Sweden. And that's just, I mean, can you imagine if other, no shade thrown to other European countries, everyone had their own war to fight back then. But can you imagine if other European countries had done, had saved the Jews the way Denmark had? I mean... Not six even million the, Jews would not have died, you know. Well, even the United States, they turned away like a bunch of people. Yeah. yeah. And and so it's just like just an amazing story. And um and the book has some has um some interesting science in it where um there was like this handkerchief that was dipped in like coated with something that would um, neutralize the German shepherds, the dogs' noses, so they couldn't smell the Jewish people under the floorboards of the boats if their boats were searched. And she even addresses that in the afterward, and she said, that's all real. And almost every boat captain used such a permeated handkerchief, and many lives were saved by the device. So it's just an amazing story, and it's an amazing book. And even if you're an adult, I would recommend reading it, because it's it's an easy read. You'll probably finish it in an afternoon, you know. But um, anyway, so my casting, uh, obviously the title would probably be the same, Number of the Stars, because it's already a, a... piece you know um but i thought for and i i actually like made some 
I changed it a little bit because I think the main girl, I think she was probably like 11, but I thought maybe she could be like 16 because I right. thought for Anna Marie, I thought Elle Fanning would be good. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I then like for, Fanning. Yeah. And her best friend, Ellen, who they, who they save, um, I chose Mackenzie Foy. Okay. In, okay. You know who she is? She was from yep, like Nutcracker yep. and she was in Interstellar as well. And for um, Anna Marie's mom and dad, I chose Rosamond Pike in Alexander Skarsgård. Okay. And uh, she has a little sister named Kirsty, and I chose McKenna Grace. Okay, she that's was, good. Okay. Yeah, that's a good family. Yeah. Gifted, yeah. And then there's a really interesting side story that I like in the book, and it has to do with her older sister, Anna Marie's older sister, Lisa, who was killed by the Germans because she was working with the Danish resistance. And I thought Lily James actually would play her. Oh, I love her. <laughs> and there's a really good love story between Lisa and Peter. And Peter and, and Lisa were engaged, but he didn't get killed. And I thought Domhnall Gleeson would play okay. him. Okay. And um, I think the movie has really great potential with their love story to do like a flashback because he still is involved with the family and helping smuggle the Jews out. And then yeah. they execute him later, like in like... Um, the book has like within the fictional piece the book has like a little epilogue that says he was executed by the germans as well and he requested that he be buried next to lisa but they just bury Aww. them where they execute them and and um so i think there's like potential for like an interesting flashback love story so there's like a little bit of a love story but the main story is about saving the jews and then even when i was a kid there's a character in the book that really like captivated me and it was her uncle henrik yeah heinrich probably uncle heinrich who was like this like bachelor fisherman who like they used his boat you know to smuggle them across and i always envisioned him being like this handsome like seafaring like <laughs> and so i chose brad pitt <laughs> for him okay <laughs> Anyway, and I think he has like that gentleness that her uncle seemed to have, and he seems like he could be happy as a bachelor fisherman, and he has that like blonde but like suntanned, like spent years at sea sort of look. And well, he has kind of like a rugged look, especially as he's gotten older. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That I like. I'm getting this like feeling like at my chest, like I want to see this movie so bad, and it's exist, and I'm so sad. <laughs> I'm like, so sad. I know. Um, I it's it's such a great story, and I actually went slightly unorthodox with the director. Okay. And I thought perhaps Wes Anderson could do a good job because I would like to see him spread his wings as a serious. A more serious director because I when I picture Denmark I picture so many colors and I picture the sea and the like the animals like seagulls and the noises of the sea and and the different colored buildings you know and and I just and I picture it so colorful and I love what he does with colors and I think that there's a lot of Holocaust stories that are very like the color of the movie are very is very somber and the tone is a lot of like browns and blacks and forest green and and i think that the holocaust i mean 100 percent, you should do the story with reverence i'm not saying it, it should become irreverent at all but for a story about denmark 
and the Scandinavian people, I think he would he would just capture that color so well. And I think he has it in him to do something a little bit more serious. And I, I think he would he would do I think he could do a good job. I I believe in him. You know, okay. I don't want to make it like I don't want to make it like too humorous or humorous. You know, I just right. I, I think that his quirkiness could bring the right kind of color to this story which is a story of great heroism like it's a it's an incredible story and yeah it sounds it sounds awesome i um so i have to say that i don't remember much of the the book but i do remember one scene that must have really affected me because i still remember this very distinctly is that there's a part where um someone rips off the star of david necklace off of the girl yeah the girl's neck and that's really the only thing that i remember that but i I remember that being incredibly impactful when i read it and uh just you know it it stayed with me you know yeah yeah i haven't read that in like easily 20 years you know it's been a long time since i've read it as well for like i yeah i probably read it i think i probably read it in my early 20s (laughs) again and that's probably the last time i read it yeah can i borrow it and read it again (laughs) sure okay thank you sure yeah i promise it won't take me eight months like the last one (laughs) well i'm still i still have the one that you lent me i know that's okay so yeah i i think it would be a great movie um yeah that sounds like that sounds awesome and the casting's really good yeah thank you it It was fun did good kid it was fun to do (laughs) it was fun well um i like that i wish i kind of like wish i'd done something but i just i don't have anything so that's okay yeah that's okay it takes a little bit more work than like you initially anticipate i found like when i finally landed on something that i wanted to cast I was like racking my brain and like looking through lots of photos and I was typing in like blonde movie actresses, blonde actresses in their forties, you know, cause, cause you know, you got to pick somebody who has the right like gravitas. Yeah. 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 So no, I totally get it. I mm-hmm. totally, I totally get it. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I totally understand. It's, it's like you got to find the most perfect person and then, and sometimes you feel like you're like, well, this person could work, but are they good enough? <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Because, yeah. yeah, you know, it yeah. has to be the right person. Yeah. I feel like I could cast Domhnall Gleeson in like every movie, though, because last week when I was casting Metallica with Mike, I cast him as um, James Hetfield, <laughs> the lead singer, <laughs> because I just think he's awesome. Like, He's just a really good actor, you know. Yeah, he's very he's very versatile. That's yes. for sure. I've seen yeah. him play a lot of different characters and you know like I talked about that dread movie where I didn't even recognize him because he was such like a little simpering like wimpy like like nervous guy that I I didn't even I was like who is that dude? He looked really familiar and I yeah. So, yeah. 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 I also thought Ellen's parents, I thought of her mom could be Ava Green, but I couldn't think oh. of her dad. So I kind of like just didn't <laughs> cast them because I didn't want to do it incomplete. But I thought I'd tell you because I know you love Ava Green. I love Ava. She's my, <laughs> yeah. she's and my she also, they wife. also have, <laughs> they also have such a small role. So yeah. yeah, she's, I love her. And I mean, I haven't seen a lot of her movies because she makes 
creepy films but um <laughs> she does <laughs> like I don't like she's yeah I saw the dreamers and after that I was like okay so I'm gonna be I'm good for I'm good for at least a decade I'm fine you know, I, I think don't, she was in like Casino Royale or Quantum of that's Solace where I first those. saw her yeah. Casino Royale and that's where I first fell in love with her <laughs> <laughs> anyway so do you want to talk about the movie I'm ready I'm okay. ready to talk about this movie all right. So first things first, what did you think of it? You want me to go first? I want you to go first. Okay. Unless you want me to go first. <laughs> Good. We're like the vultures in the jungle book. <laughs> now don't start that again. Um, <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> well, I, you did text me yesterday and you said, I finished the movie and all I can say is, ugh. And yep. I'm very curious. <laughs> Do you want me what? to go first? I kind of want to know what the uh was. Okay. Um, so I was, I went into this movie because I saw the trailer and I was like, wow, this looks like it could be um, unsettling, little creepy, little like, you know, put you on edge. And I have to say that I did not feel that really at any point in the movie. And I was very disappointed in that. <laughs> And it had, like, it, it, it had this feeling like something big was missing and the director just couldn't capture it, you know? So I would say overall, it was fine, but that's all it was. It wasn't great. I, I was kind of disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I am kind of in the same boat as you, but I, I, a while ago we talked about um, tropes in movies that we really don't like, and I brought up a trope, and I couldn't think of specific examples in the time, at the yeah. time, but this movie had it in spades, and it drove me up the wall, and it was that this movie would not exist if they would just communicate with each other. Like, yeah. They, yep. Like, he didn't it made it seem like it was all or nothing. Like either he had to tell her every minute detail of why, what happened to his wife, or he couldn't say anything at all. There was no like in between where he couldn't, like if there was just one scene where he would have said to her, uh, yeah, my, my wife passed away. She drowned. It's, it's very hard for me to talk about. So I'd appreciate it if we didn't talk about it done right it would be there would be no need for a movie and it in like if they would just communicate with each other or if we would have just said that's my wife's portrait up on the wall then well i don't think it was his wife's portrait i think it was his aunt i think it was that um she had worn the dress before because that's what they had said in the movie like it was something like like when Mrs. Danvers was walking, like, so she does, Lily James' character doesn't even have a name. Mrs. DeWinter is what you call her. Um, she, when she's walking her around, she says, oh, this is his aunt or his great aunt or whatever. And then later when Mrs. DeWinter is dressed up in that outfit, um, she says something like, oh, she wore, Rebecca wore this before, right? So I think it was, I think it was his aunt. Oh. I just think it was, um, I just don't, I think she, Rebecca had worn the, the outfit before. I knew like from the beginning, as soon as she was like, 
starting to, you know, wanting to do that outfit, I was like, this is going to be a bad idea. I knew it too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was like immediately like, "Uh uh-uh, don't do it. Like it was a beautiful dress, but I was like, nope, this is going to end real bad. Yeah, I did. I knew, I knew that uh, Mrs. Danvers was having like pulling a prank on her in some way. Yeah. And it just, on one hand, I liked the movie, but on the other hand, I agree with you. It's just fine. It was fine. I kind of, I, there was like a weird supernatural element that was stupid to me. And it was like, she would see those like birds, that flock of birds flying yeah but none of the rest of the movie was supernatural so i have no idea what what was the point of them i don't even think that the birds are supernatural i think that's just a thing that birds do like a certain kind of bird Um, oh okay i know that there's a kind of bird that um in i think it's like in like in italy they come every year I think they're called starlings, I want to say, and they, and that's how they move. So I don't, that's not, I don't think that's supernatural at all. I think that's just, that's just birds being birds, but just birds being birds. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the thing is to me is that, um, I, if, okay, if I had, if I had directed this film, <laughs> like what I would have done is I would have um, I would have added an aspect to where it felt like the house itself was kind of haunted rather than it being like Rebecca, which she's not really haunting the place, but like her memory is. Yeah. But to me, it seems like you, you know, they, they mentioned the house Manderley like in the beginning. So you're like, okay, so there's something important about this house, but then it didn't seem to really have any sort of real, like other than it being a really old, like a a very old and beautiful mansion, it didn't seem like it had some sort of like creepy element to it or, or more like a, um, like, okay. Like in the haunting of Hill house, it's like, they talk about the house itself being haunted and that's kind of what I wanted and I didn't necessarily want a supernatural aspect to it I just wanted like you to go in there and as a viewer immediately feel unsettled and not wanting to be in the house you know what I mean like it didn't have to have ghosts it could have been totally human because that's what I think the story is about is it's focusing on human connection and human relationships And so actually last night I was doing, um, I was looking up like reviews and I was reading this review about how it was comparing it to the 1940 um, Alfred Hitchcock film. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh shit, I want to see this movie so bad. And I was like looking at Amazon, like I was going to watch it that night if I could have found it streaming. Oh, and you couldn't find it? I couldn't find it. I I found it for like 25 bucks for a DVD. And I was like, I don't really know if I want to spend 25 bucks on a movie that I might not like, you know, that's a lot of money. But the way that this was written was... It was so interesting and it sounded so much more compelling and like, uh, than, than this, you know, this remake of it. And they had even said that Mrs. Danvers had a sort of like almost eroticized performance based on her, um, her relationship with Rebecca, which I really didn't get that in the new one. And, um, actually yeah, she was that- more like, like a mother, 
Yeah, I thought one. that Kristen Scott Thomas was one of the best parts of the film. Um, I think she did a great job. But I, I don't think, I think she has, I think as an actress, she's a lot better than that role gave her credit for. You know what I mean? I think that, I, I just, I felt like the entire movie, like, I, I wanted to get into it. And then I just didn't, you know, I just, I felt like it fell flat. I felt like there was something missing and I, I just, I wanted it to be, I wanted to be on edge and I wanted to be kind of like, like, you know, when you're, you're like creeped out by something and you get that, like, kind of like full body, like shiver where you're like, Ooh, <laughs> you know, like that, like, Ooh, that really like skewed me out. Um, I wanted that and I didn't get that. And I, I was very disappointed by that. And I felt like they were attempting to do that, but I couldn't, it, it just was, it wasn't coming through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The only time I got that feeling was when she was in the little boathouse and the dog was like growling at the curtain. Yeah. That's that when I was like, here. oh gosh, what is he growling at? Like, is there like something ghosty happening? And then it was just, just some guy sitting back there. Yeah. <laughs> And He's like chilling. He's like, oh, hey, I just have a bit of prosciutto over here. You want to yeah. join? <laughs> and there was something that kind of bugged me. And so the dogs played a kind of a big role when they first got to Manderley. And I like the idea of dogs like leading her to the truth in some form because a dog is like a creature of habit. And even if their owner has passed on, they still want to be in the rooms that she was in, or they still know the way to the boathouse that they would travel to. You know what I mean? Right. And I like that how like nobody would talk to her, but the dog sort of led her to this, to these, like these, I guess like clues that became just more questions for her. But there's a scene where she goes back to the boathouse and the dog was with her and then the property manager comes and says, oh, Mr. DeWinter wants me to lock this house up. And you never see the dogs again. And I was like, did he lock the dogs in the boathouse? And the dogs are gone from the rest of the movie. Nobody ever, there's no, like, they're not even, like, in a scene. They're just not in the movie anymore. Now I'm like, oh, yeah. And I don't know if they just, like, could only pay for a few days of filming with the dogs or what. But I kind of, I thought that that it, it has the capacity to be corny. But yeah. it also has the capacity to be kind of creative, to have a dog, like, scratching at a door that nobody opens anymore. But for all the dog knows is I always used to go in this room, you know? Right, right. And, and like, she goes – so she goes into the room, and she finds Rebecca's desk, and the camera panned over to the two dogs, and they were just sitting there, like, tongues out, looking happy as can be, like, what? What's wrong with you? We're in here. And I love that. They were so and, cute. Yeah, but then they were gone. <laughs> yeah, that was that was bizarre. It, it, it was um <clears throat> it it was very weird. And I read somewhere that there was very little character development, mm-hmm. which I didn't so much agree with Mrs. DeWinter. I thought she had the most. But um Yeah, for, she she changed a lot through the movie. Yeah, but Maxim yeah. had almost no character development. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I also so the time were they in Monaco? That's where they were when they, they first were in Monte met. Carlo. Okay. And I I liked their little romance. I liked that she was 
she can think for herself, but she's also pretty naive. And yeah. she's there being like a, a personal assistant to this like loud mouth, rather mean woman. Oh my God. That woman was so rude and I awful. Did, I did not care for her illness, like the way her mouth looked and like the vomiting. Oh yeah. She looked like she had like vomit covering it her was mouth. Like gross. It, it was, was disgusting. It, it was like a makeup job that they didn't have. They didn't have to go that extra mile. They could have just had her laying in bed and saying like, I'm sick. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that, it was no, that girls we had too. Really like, gross. Oh, and so I, but I like that she can think for herself, but she's still in that stage of life where like she's sort of bright eyed and innocent. Right. And he actually like mentions that later in the movie where he's like, "Oh, you're innocent. Look, you know, once she finds out that he shot his wife, he said, "You've lost that innocent look that I love about you so much." And and I think her performance was really good because she did have an innocent look at the beginning and she did change a lot through the movie. But um, so I can, I like on one hand, I can believe that she would marry him after only knowing him a week because she wanted to escape the drudgery of like her life. It was kind of dismal. Like she had to work to be like a lady's assistant. <laughs> you can't. Sorry. It's- just Lauren just like while I was talking she scooped up her cap but his two front arms were like totally straight out like he was not having it (laughs) well he was he was um he was like resting on I I have like a bunch of pillows surrounding me and he was resting on the pillow but like his butt was in the air and then his like head was like tilted downward and so I'm like you can't be comfy in this position (laughs) he's like kind of sitting in my lap It's funny, but, but I liked how, so the couple times that they taught, like when they were in Monte Cristo and they were having their little whirlwind romance, she brought up his wife. She brought up his wife, Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo. Sorry. They're at the sandwich (laughs) place. Monte Carlo. When they were in Monte Carlo, Monte Cristo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You find your own tree. Um, so she brought up his wife once and he immediately like abandoned her. Like he walked away from her and just left her by him by herself. He didn't say anything. He's just like, let's not talk about it and just left. And then the next time she found a book of, of Rebecca's in his glove compartment and she looked at it and he said, put that away. And then he walked away and just left. And I thought, woman, these are red flags. Like this guy has issues with his dead wife. Either he's not over her yet, which is what I thought the whole time. Like he was not over her yet. Right. And he, you know, you are like a rebound to him and you should not get married to him. But I think they did a really good job portraying the fact that her existence like he was offering her something pretty exciting compared to what she had seen. Right. And she overlooked those small flags because they were, you know, they liked each other. And, and so I thought that that was well done, that she sort of entrapped herself into this situation that if she had maybe had a more clear head or a better situation in her own life, she probably wouldn't have walked into that, you know? Well, I think too that, I think, I think too is that Maybe she didn't necessarily see them as red flags. And I'm not even sure that I would initially at first either, just because I think that I would just imagine that it's about his wife and that it's just too painful to talk about. Um, 
I would because I'm just going to interrupt me. you. He abandoned her each time. He didn't yeah, stay that was and say weird. He didn't stay and say I'd rather not talk about it and then stay with her. He walked away from her and left her to her own devices and she just had to like wander around and find him and then he was like manipulatively he would be like after the fact he'd say like I'm sorry and that would be it and I would be like that's not but I don't think that that's that would be a red flag for me like no I I don't disagree with you um but what I'm saying is I can understand why she might not initially feel that way you know what I mean oh yeah I can totally yeah. see why she overlooked them like yeah. as I said yeah yeah um, I mean, it's it, grief is such a complicated situation anyway, and she doesn't know the relationship that he had with Rebecca until it's revealed later. Which, so we, I, I kind of just want to talk about it now because we're talking about. It. So, like, I really did not like the climax reveal. I thought it was it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. Um, yes, yes. You felt like okay, good. You felt like that too. I have some notes. Let me pull these up. So um when it when it happened i was like is he lying to her again because this seems really weird like all of a sudden <laughs> yeah well and also i had a really i thought it was very odd that he's like yelling at her and like being cold and weird and distant towards her like throughout the entire time she's at manderley he's barely spending time with her you know like like um you know she comes down for breakfast hold on one second One sec. Oh damn, you can't see it anymore. I heard him. He had he had one little he had one little foot like popped up that was like <laughs> so cute. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he was very like cold and he was distant towards her and he like kept yelling at her and like wouldn't like even eat like lunch with her or breakfast. And then all of a sudden he's like, I shot my wife. And I was like, No, you didn't. <laughs> That's what I thought too. No, I agree because why, like, if he hated his wife, like, the big reveal is that he couldn't stand his wife. She slept around on him and so he shot her. If that's the big reveal, why was he so mean to Mrs. De Winter? Whenever his wife would come up, he would, like, turn, like, in bed, they were, like, cuddling. And then she brought, she said, You can talk to me about her. And he rolled over with his back to her. And like he wouldn't, and she said, "Do you know you sleepwalk?" And he wouldn't talk to her. And he, like, if he hated his wife so much, why did he act like, like he didn't want to talk about her? You, know, he could have just said, "My wife died, and it upset me." But yeah, this is now, and we can move forward. Like, it yeah, and sense. I also actually to to kind of go off on a little bit, but. I also thought that the sleepwalking would take a way bigger part in the film than it did. And I, I thought that that could have been an excellent way to show some real spooky shit. But instead, they just kept having Mrs. DeWinter have these like really like over the top dreams. And I wasn't on board with that either. I was kind of like, okay. Yeah, um, it was like drug tripping. Yeah. And, and like, it was weird. And the fact that they were like oh he sleepwalks but then they never mention it again or it's not brought up i was like what why i'm like this is this is a perfect perfect time and a perfect thing to use to make this experience at manderley just that much more creepy if you i agree your husband yeah like walking around like i mean 
just think about it. Like he could be standing somewhere and like holding like a gun or something and, or like, just like, even just like clicking through the chambers, not doing anything, but he's sleepwalking. And that would have been an excellent way to kind of foreshadow the fact that he had shot his wife, but instead they just didn't do anything like that. And that's why I felt the whole, um, Rebecca's death was so, when he just like suddenly confessed to it, I was like, first of all, why now? Why confess to this now? Yeah. And secondly, her first thought is that she wants to like support her husband when he openly like what like he openly is like oh yeah I murdered my first wife it's no big deal but I just want to let you know just in case you're kind of having some second thoughts Mrs. DeWinter and it's like instead she's like no we're going to get through this together and I'm like why like he murdered his first wife you think that he might not murder you too I mean come on I do think like the way he treated her until she found out like when she found out he murdered his wife or he's like I hated her she slipped around on me she taunted me to shoot her so I did and she looks surprised that I actually pulled the trigger and he said it in sort of like a, a sad like like I'm so I you know I had to do it because I would never divorce her. He said, he said, I, she knew I'd never divorce her. So that's why I shot her. So she like, she like felt sorry for him in some way, but the way he was treating her, like I thought her sympathy to him was way undeserved because the way he treated her up to that point should not have endeared him to her in any capacity. Like at that point she should have been like, Oh, thank God you're going to prison. I can't live with you one more day. But instead she was like, no, we're going to get through this. And that that was really weird to me. Like I would have packed my bags and left. I wouldn't have even said anything. I would have been like, no, you murdered your first wife. Why do you think I'm leaving? Like, come on. And you've treated me like crap and your stupid housekeeper tricked me. And all these people, like one of the things about the communication issue that I was having, the issues that I was having was when um, Rebecca's cousin, her male cousin, came and told yeah. told the new Mrs. DeWinter that the housekeeper, Mrs. Danvers, had invited him, but they had extra time. And so they, like, rode horses, and he was chatting. And then he said to her, I'm actually banished from the house. I'm not allowed to come. And then all of the servants tattle that he was there. And right. Mr. DeWinter yells at her and basically implies that she's a slut and that she slept with him and all she needed to say was don't you think it makes sense that he would lie to me and say mrs danvers invited him especially since he's not allowed on the grounds why would you think that i had any hand in this like he blamed her i don't i don't think that that either was so obvious obviously she was duped like it doesn't take a rocket scientist he blamed her for it and she never stuck up for herself she never said i was tricked he tricked me instead right. she was just like i love you don't leave and then later when they climb into bed he says i'm sorry i know it wasn't your fault and that's it that's all and i just like oh you're sorry for accusing me of being a slut and cheating on you when i was tricked and you brought me to this weird stupid house with your weird stupid housekeeper who tricked me and that's all i get and I just, yeah like, the lack of communication really put a fire in me <laughs> Yeah, no, well, and Jack Favell, too, Favell or whatever, mm-hmm. um, who's played by Sam Riley, um, he was like, 
borderline like uh, like almost almost like he was like being inappropriate with her oh yeah like riding yeah, like the he horse was, like and... grabbing her thighs when they were riding yeah he was like riding on the back of her horse like and and just it, it was just it was like the way that he was like and she was scared of him she was like obviously scared of him so so you know i mean maxim knows this guy he knows that he's a creep and his like it, it it bothered me just as much as it bothered you that his first reaction was to be like wow you stupid whore you fucking fuck this guy and it's like and like she's like and i like if i were in her position i would have yelled right back at him and been like how do you think i feel this guy came on practically assaulted me and like made me feel afraid made me feel scared for my safety and you're gonna call me a whore who the fuck do you think you are? You know, like, and the fact that he kept yelling at her too, I, I was like, stand up for yourself and tell him, you don't yell at me. I'm your wife. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, it like, it bothered me so much. And, and, and she said, I, oh, go ahead. What? I just didn't get why she would support him. Yeah. After, I didn't get it either. Like, yeah, he'd done nothing after they, once they finally arrived at Manderley, he basically like, he would seem excited when she came into a room and he seemed like he loved her in some capacity in small bursts. But right. overall, he like those were very fleeting and he was very cold and very mean to her and he barely talked to her and then he would blame her for things. He would get yeah. like, like if he, ha and that's why I'm going back to what you said, why the twist of him hating his wife was so outrageous to me because he sure didn't act like he hated his first wife yeah. and he sure was cruel to his second wife and she like at one point she said how do i how am i supposed to know things if you never tell me and that's the only time she ever and that was like so quick and nobody like he didn't acknowledge it and she never stuck up for herself again and it it just it it's so egregiously bad writing and i hope I would hope that the Hitchcock movie and the book are not that badly done. And I, I, right. it sounds like they're probably not because well, actually, so I do have a quote that I wrote down that I felt like was perfect for um, how kind of we feel about this. So it's from RogerEbert.com. It's by Sheila O'Malley. And she says, nobody has a firm grasp on exactly what they're supposed to be playing. There's not <laughs> a clear enough sense of collective suppression desires unspoken sexual slash slash psychological torment so intense it leads to madness thomas brings it there's kristen scott thomas but she seems like she's in a different movie end quote and i was like that's exactly it it's just like there it seemed like there was something missing because there was it was like there was supposed to be an intensity, but somewhere along the way it was dropped and yeah. it was never picked back up. And I, I mean, I was excited to watch this film. So I was really disappointed when I finished it because I was like, oh, okay. Um, all right. Well, that certainly was a movie, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, mm. I agree with you. I wish that the house had been like i wish the house had been more of a character in itself yeah. like a character in the movie like you said i think that was really wise 
And I also, I struggled with the motivations of everybody. Kristen Scott Thomas, you find out she assumes that Maxim killed Rebecca. Right. I mean, she's, I, to go off what you're saying, like you as the viewer kind of assume that it was like a motherly role. Mm-hmm. But I think that what we're missing in the 2020 version is that I think she was in love with Rebecca. See, that would have been awesome. Yeah, I think it was um, like an obsession. And I think that that would have been far more interesting to see a character who um, the reason why, like, because you don't really understand why, like, you kind of get why she's been so focused on um, ruining Mrs. DeWinter, but Honestly, to me, it didn't seem like it was enough of a reason to ruin her, you know? That's, um, yes, that's... Sorry. Yeah. You, well, it, it's, it's... So if... You know, like, it, it just... it. Okay. <laughs> From I'm like, I'm stuttering here. But <clears throat> it makes sense that someone who is psychologically damaged, who, you know... Um, their desires and psychological torment is so intense it leads them to madness like what Sheila O'Malley wrote (laughs) that it would make sense that uh, Mrs. Danvers was so overwhelmed and so you know like hurt and angry over this loss of someone that she was intensely in love with that she would you know maybe be a little crazy but it always seemed like she was so calm and she was so collected that in her manipulations with Mrs. DeWinter, it was almost like you're, you're seeing this, like, it was almost like Mrs. Danvers had been screwed over by Mrs. DeWinter's parents and she was taking it out on their kid instead of like having like a, you know, you you know, coming from a spot where, where she's like, I loved Rebecca with my heart and my soul. And now my reason for living is dead. And now you're here and you're her in her place and you're trying to take over and you are not her and I will destroy you. And it's, but you just don't get that. You just kind of get like, oh, I don't really like you. So I'm just going to kind of ruin your day or whatever. A couple of times, humiliate you in front of a bunch of people, you know, and there's something very much missing. And I, I wanted to end the movie feeling like, Like how I felt after I watched The Secret in Their Eyes, where that movie took my breath away. I like sat after that and I was like, wow, wow. Like I I couldn't even, like I couldn't even breathe. I wanted that so badly with this movie where I end it going mind blown, you know? And even if I saw it coming, even if I I knew the ending, something bad was going to happen or Maxim was a lot more, you know, shady than he came across, it would still have been so much more satisfying to, to see, you know, these people like losing their minds over this woman who was such a tour de force that she had affected all these people's lives in these, you know, really compelling and interesting ways. But it, it was like the most interesting character is the dead one, you know? So where are we supposed to go with that at the end of the day? That's not good writing. That's just, it, it, it's, it leaves a lot to be wanted. Yeah. I, I think also my struggle with Mrs. Danvers motivation, and I, I think it would have been better if she had been like 
romantically in love with Rebecca because her motivation at this point was that she thought Maxim killed Rebecca, but she openly admitted that Rebecca was sleeping around and living life on her own terms, not honoring any sort of marriage vow or commitment she made to Maxim. 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 (laughs) I said it. So, but then they never showed the flip side unless we're led to believe that Maxim was just as cold to Rebecca. And so it forced her out to find love in other people. But there's really no development of a story that Maxim was like a bad husband to her, that he abused her or anything like Jack Favell. That's his name. Jack Favell. Yeah. He implied that Maxim had a temper, but that was just, that's it. No. And like Mrs. Danvers never said, Maxim mistreated her. He beat her up or he did this. So it almost seemed like Rebecca was kind of just like a terrible woman. And Mrs. Danvers was sticking up for her for, I don't know, familial, because of familial love in some way. But that motivation seems really weird because why would she want to ruin the new wife's life if the old wife was just like a bad person? Like, if there was no motivation for the old wife to be bad other than the fact that she was just a wild woman and she shouldn't have gotten married, it seems like. Right. Right. But if Maxim was a terrible husband to Rebecca, beyond killing her, obviously, but I mean, you know, like, (laughs) just like if Maxim just had a, if there was like a casual murder. (laughs) What? Casual murder. Yeah. (laughs) If there was a pattern of abuse and neglect that drove Rebecca herself to sort of madness or to uh you know cheating with other men they could have played that out also and then i wouldn't want to i would be like wouldn't mrs danvers want to save the the new mrs de winter so nobody's motivations made sense to me because there was no clear reason why mrs danvers held rebecca in such high esteem except for the fact that she felt like a mother to her and yes i guess if she thought maxim killed her then that would be motivation to ruin maxim's life but then again in the same vein the new mrs de winter was not part of that so why would you you know there's just there's no clear like there's no clear thread for me to pull and for me to say oh this is why this character did this and then this and then this it's all sort of happenstance that we're supposed to just buy into because like in movies this is what happens you know right yeah it's there was a lot that was missing from mm-hmm. this this movie. Yeah, um, there was a lot, and like what you said, a lot of motivation missing, and um, it seemed like there people were doing things just to do them rather than to have a, a real reason to do them. And I I wanted again, I wanted to get on board so badly, but I just couldn't because it wasn't that well written it wasn't that interesting it was kind of boring you know and like and I mean it for the most part held my interest but then it was like the last 30 minutes I really had an issue with because that was when Maxim suddenly confesses that he murdered Rebecca which came out of nowhere and all of a sudden you know like he's being pulled into this courtroom and all this courtroom drama. And then you find out that like he had buried another corpse of a woman that he had identified. And 
I like that he had mentioned like, well, her arms were missing and her face was gone and she was like totally decomposed. So sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And in that case, I don't even know why they would bring him in to identify a body if you can't even see her face. But yeah, if there's nothing, if there's no identifying marks, why would. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a medical examiner. I don't know that. But in in my mind, it's like and then they find, you know the the boat that she went missing on or whatever and they actually find her body so but that was like not even like that I felt like should have been something where the viewer goes like oh shit oh shit you know like oh yeah and I was just like okay you know like I didn't really I was kind of just like, like, I was like, okay, um, so what happened with the other girl that he supposedly thought was Rebecca, you know, like, who was that? And that's not even important to the story, but the fact of the matter is, is that you, it's like, they're, they're trying to pull us in to this whole mystery that's like now becoming unraveled and and people are are figuring out what's happening but it's done in such a way that it doesn't it's not good it's not good it doesn't feel mysterious it just felt kind of like like i i couldn't get on board with mrs de winter so like she was supporting him so wholly and completely that i was like but why why like you, it's not like yeah. you didn't know him like so you're married well you've known each other for a month and he's not even been nice that whole time like what the fuck you know yeah i think um the last half hour like you said it felt like a different movie it did the characters made egregious jumps like um I heard an anecdote on the Office Ladies podcast where Greg Daniels, one of the writers or creators, I, he he not I don't think he's a creator. He's a writer, director, whatever of the Office. He um he said that no character should evolve more than five percent in an episode or something to that effect. And I think that that is true in movies as well. And it, those characters evolved, like, all of a sudden, Maxim was, like, ready to just pour out, like, just talk to her, like, she's a normal person again. Right. And also, she became super conniving, like, she broke into the doctor's office, and she, like, encouraged him, like, like, she spoke up in court, and when they were having that weird trial, she spo- spoke up, and and none of that seemed like their character at all like the character that we'd seen for the whole movie and and then like she apparently did it all because she she was like she did it all for love or something but i was like what love it doesn't look like you guys have good love he treats you badly yeah he brought you to this house he leaves you to your own devices and he treats you terribly and talks to you like you're a servant, not like you're his wife. Right. And then all of a sudden you're just like, at the end, after Manderly burned down, she's like, we're just on a quest to find home because it, true love is important or something like for the, for the importance of true love or something like that. And then like the very last shot is their embrace. <laughs> the very last shot is them embracing and she like breaks the fourth wall and like looks into the camera 
<laughs> and I couldn't figure out why her face was so evil in that moment. What what changed? Yeah, I don't I don't know. And that that's like I there wasn't enough there wasn't enough bad things to happen to her to cause her to become a bad person. You know yeah. what I mean? Like what was the point of that last shot? But also um, something in movies it's that kind of bothers me is when characters are just kissing, but one of them has like sex face, like, and they were just kissing, but her face made it seem like that was like orgasmic kissing. And that bothers me so much because <laughs> she was like, closing her eyes and like kind of moaning and not really moaning but just like the look on her face was like they were doing a lot more than kissing but we were watching it they were just kissing yeah <laughs> I, I like, I, like I know, know kissing is fun kissing is really fun but the like she was making it look like there was more going on and it was like <laughs> it was bizarre it was like <laughs> I didn't I I you know I don't know how you felt but with Manderly burning down did you think that was out of nowhere too um not really be well yes and no i didn't because at the beginning they foreshadowed that it was going to get destroyed oh that's right okay but i did think like it was really weird for them to see them like basically like riding mrs danvers out on a rail like get out of here and everybody watches her leave and somehow within the span of like we don't see it in the movie, but she finds her way back to Manderley with a gas can and she burns it down. I thought that was a little bit bonkers and like the timeline didn't really make sense. I didn't even with think what we of had that, just but seen. It I, was like I, I sorry, I didn't even think of that, but honestly, like now that you pointed out, I'm like like it seems like they would have all their doors locked and there would be someone answering the door. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was like it was like when they walked her out, she goes, I'll just go behind this bush. And they're like, No, you have to leave. No, I'm fine behind this bush. I'm not gonna do anything. And they're like, Okay, <laughs> stay behind the bush. Like that's how did like, she get back? I mean, I guess she had keys. That's not on out of the realm yeah, but of possibility, they but I think they would have made her give them back. I agree. That's I agree. And yeah. there's no bridge to show how she got back after she left. Because she yes. left very clearly. And then we saw the trial. And then she was suddenly back. And so, yeah. Burning that was... the house down. And then she jumped off. The, and then she burnt. Not only did she burn the house down, but she walked to the boathouse, burned that down. And then she jumped off a cliff. Okay, I actually really want to talk about that. So I've talked before about how I love a good death scene, and that was a terrible death scene. <laughs> <laughs> that was like so anticlimactic. Like she's, you know, Mrs. De Winters is like standing there trying to convince her not to jump off, and um, and Mrs. Danvers is kind of just like, no, I'm going to do it. And you know, Mrs. De Winters is like, don't you have so much to live for? you know like you know like i guess um and and then mrs danvers is just like gotta go back <laughs> she, you know, she, she jumps off the cliff and it was the the i don't know what it was but the camera angle and the way that they focused on lily james face was kind of ridiculous and i almost thought it was comedic like <laughs> it, it didn't like she was horrified but the way that it was done it was like too much of a close shot on her face and I could like I didn't I didn't I wasn't I didn't feel anything like I, I wasn't you know like relieved that it was over I wasn't like oh that's kind of sad that she killed herself like I didn't 
really care that Mrs. Danvers died. I was kind of like, I, I didn't, you know, and, and to me, that's such a shame. If you're going to kill off a character, you're going to have a character kill themselves. It needs to be, it needs to bring up some sort of emotion, whether it's a negative emotion or it's a, or a positive emotion or whatever. If it's anger, it's happiness, relief. It needs to bring something. But if it brings nothing, then you've not done your job. And yeah, you know, I think I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I felt that way too. And I think one of the reasons, another reason why her death scene was so bad was because she was basically like cliff diving. Like she went in feet first and it didn't seem like that fall would have killed her. No, I didn't so think so either. It seemed like she just kind of like, because it showed her body going in the water and then kind of like kicking. So yeah. it, like it didn't just sink to the bottom or like float to the top like a dead body. And so I was thinking like, is she just going to like George Clooney herself and we're supposed to believe that she's going to stay in the water long enough to drown and not like get, let the waves push her to the shore that is probably 15 feet away from her because she's not dead. Yeah. And like George Clooney in like the midnight sky, like walking out into the cold. Like, I don't think, I don't, she didn't seem like she died to me. And I think that that's another reason why that the, like the death scene was so whatever because, because I was like, what's she going to do now? Like, is she going to swim there until she dies? I don't. Right. Well, I, it could have made sense if you had seen her inhale water. That would have made yeah. more sense. But yeah. They or if they would have just like, if maybe we would have had Mrs. DeWinter look over the cliff and see the body floating. Or, like, have her hit rocks. Yeah. Something. Which is Anything. what I thought. I thought she was going to hit rocks. And then when yeah. they went, showed her going feet first, like, pencil diving into the water, I was like, people do that in Hawaii all the time. I don't yeah. think she's dead. <laughs> people go cliff diving all the time. That's all she's doing. Relax. She'll be fine. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, like, I almost wish, did you ever see the movie? I think you have told me that you've seen it, but I'm going to ask you again. Did you ever see What Lies Beneath? Yes. Okay. So, like, you know, at the end when Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer, they go over the bridge into the water and, like, the dead girl, like, grabs Harrison Ford's, like, leg and pulls him under so he drowns. I almost would have been okay with that. You oh, like, over, yeah. like, like, having it been Rebecca, but... Again, I, I'm glad that they didn't include a very supernatural aspect to it, but they, but they also didn't include anything that made it really spooky and unsettling either. No, and I agree, was, and that was a big letdown because yeah, and like the, the thing it. about the thing about hum, humankind is that we're a spooky species. <laughs> we're very creepy, like spooky it's true. species. I mean, I was watching that documentary called Nightcrawler or Night not Nightcrawler <laughs> Night Stalker about Richard Ramirez and there was a picture just a picture where he's shirtless but he's staring into the camera and it was such an intense and creepy stare I literally had to put my hand like above like so where I couldn't see really yeah because I was so creeped out and it's like if they can like and obviously that he was a very bad man, but the point that I'm trying to bring is that they have the opportunity to make a story that is very, like, very unsettling and very creepy, 
and to put Mrs. Dan or not Mrs. Danvers, put Mrs. DeWinter in a situation where she's like, something's not right here, but she never really kind of comes to that conclusion. And to me, it seemed like that would have been something that they should have really like focused on is that her coming to the realization that like, okay, so maybe my husband's not exactly who he says he is, but it doesn't. And then he suddenly confesses for whatever reason. And then she's all of a sudden like, oh no, I support you 100%. And I was like, I, I just, I wasn't on board with that. I thought it was weird. I thought it came out of nowhere. It it drove me nuts. And I, it, it just, it fell flat. It really fell flat. And it was very disappointing because I think that there was such a good opportunity here to really make a movie that you know, just makes you feel on edge and makes you feel uncomfortable. And I really wanted that and I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting to feel more uncomfortable and more on yeah. edge and more creeped out. And I agree with you because I think they could have easily, they could have made some relatively small tweaks and made a more compelling movie. And one of those would have just been have Maxim be much nicer to Mrs. DeWinter and have their have have their love story be as such where the news that he shot his last wife and he's not who you think he is is much more of a shock yeah then because it's not shocking that like there's no connection between them after the initial like honeymoon connection or whatever you know and and after that it was just oh this guy who treats you badly also shot his his first wife. Oh, and big surprise, he didn't love his first wife. However, for not loving someone, sleepwalking to her bedroom and getting angry whenever you mention her name or wear that red dress seems really suspicious. Like, yep. that doesn't seem like the actions of somebody who is not still in love with his first wife and not still super grieving over her death. Because, so it's... <sighs> it doesn't it didn't make sense and i agree i wish the house would have been creepier and there's one other thing and it's a trope that i i can't say i dislike it all the time but i do dislike it in some things and in this movie i didn't like it and it's like the housekeeper who knows everything yeah so the mrs danvers storyline kind of bothered me because i didn't care for the fact that she like was like a puppet master and he seemed blind to her tricks, even though if he hated his wife and his wife and Mrs. Danvers were thick as thieves, she would be the first person he let go when his wife died, especially yeah. if he hated his wife. Because if you hate somebody, you don't want their friends hanging around in your personal business in the <laughs> house. So that doesn't make any sense to me why she stayed if Rebecca was such a terrible person. And also, I like... I just didn't care for her manipulation because her character was so disposable. Like you can just hire a new housekeeper. Right. Simply. I mean that simply because he didn't like his wife. So why would he keep her around? If he loved his first wife and her death was a tragedy, that makes sense why he might keep Mrs. Danvers around. And it makes sense that she could manipulate the household because he still trusts her because he loved his wife. But since he hated his wife, why does he still trust her closest companion? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I have to say, though, um, 
I don't hate the trope of like uh, how, uh, the housekeeper like knowing everything. To me, that kind of makes sense that she would kind of have her fingers in every little, you know, like honey pot. Or that sounds that sounds dirty. That sounds really dirty. <laughs> that sounds really dirty. My speaking bad. of erotic, speaking of Where erotic psychological unsettlingness, um, <laughs> it would make sense that she would, I guess, have her ear to every. She would have know, her fingers. Wall. What? <laughs> She'd have her ear to every wall. Yeah, you know? that does make sense. And I agree yeah. with you. The trope isn't always bad. Yeah. But and I I liked Mrs. Danvers as a character. In fact, I would say that overall she's probably my favorite character just because I think she's the most interesting. I'm not saying I like like her as a person, but she's fucking more interesting than anyone else in that. Maxim was boring as shit. Like, who cares about him? I don't care what happens to him. I, I liked Mrs. DeWinter. I liked her growth I, I until too. the she weird cute. ending. But I, yeah. I thought like I, I thought Lily James did a really good job in the movie. Oh, I do too. I think Lily James is great. I, I have not seen anything of Lily James where I didn't like her. I think she's yeah. she's adorable, and I think she's a great actress. Um, but I, as far as Mrs. Danvers goes, I, I, if they had done it in such a way where Mrs. Danvers had been around before Rebecca had gotten there, then that would make a lot more sense as to why he would keep her around. But you're right. If she came, because it sounds like what happened is that Rebecca married Maxim and then Mrs. Danvers came along too, because she was, she essentially raised Rebecca. Yeah. She said they arrived together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it would make more sense if, Rebecca came and Mrs. Danvers was like, whoa, who is this goddess? She's like, I'm in, I'm like obsessed with her, you know? Yeah. And then um, she, she could maybe have become like, she maybe was always just kind of cold and distant, but after the death of Rebecca, she could have become cruel, you know? Um, because again, grief affects people in all sorts of different ways and it it can take it can take one incident to completely break a person mentally you know um and especially if someone maybe is like mentally fragile which i'm not saying that mrs danvers was but maybe she was because she did burn down you know two buildings and kill herself (laughs) so um but it's to the the, the what I'm trying to say is that um, I think that I agree with you totally that she was disposable as a person because, um, you know, I mean, and I think Maxim's mind, she's just a servant. But if she had been around with him since he was a kid and she like knew what kind of person he was, um, it would make a lot more sense that she was still there. Yeah. She's like a family, you know, she's been around for a long time, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it, you're, you're totally right about that. And, and I don't know how the, you know, 1940 version does it. Um, I'm so, so curious about that. I'm, I'm so like, after reading that article, I don't think it was, I don't know if it was a Roger Ebert one, but it might've been. But after reading that article, I was like, I need to see this movie because I need to know how it compares, 
you know, to this other one, like Laurence Olivier's in it, you know, oh, I mean, wow. you know, yeah. So it's not like, it's like a pretty famous cast. So I'm very curious and I just, I can't get myself to spend 25 bucks on, I was thinking about calling around to like family video and like um, disc traders and being like, is there any small, tiny, tiny chance that you have Rebecca from 1940? The library yeah. might have it. That Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So overall, I, I'm just, I'm very disappointed by this film. I, I felt like there was a lot that could have been done differently and it, it was, it really kind of just left something to be desired. You know, I'm looking at the director right now, actually, cause I was curious as to what else he did. And I've only seen one other thing that he did, and he did High Rise with is with uh, Tom Hiddleston, and I don't remember that movie very well, but I remember liking it from what I saw. So, but you know, that doesn't mean anything. Keely Hawes is in both movies though, so he must like her. Who's that? She played, um, I think, the sister. Oh yeah, I liked her character, Maxim's sister. She seems yeah, like she the only one, the only one with like a logical brain. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I liked her, and I, I like. I wish that she had been in the movie more because she would have anchored the new Mrs. De Winter a little bit better, and it would have maybe made more sense why the new Miss, like the new, like she could have guided the new Mrs. De Winter in a way that might make it more believable why she wanted to stay there and why she would stick up for him, you know, like, like, Oh, your sister has embraced me with open arms and she's showing me the ropes. And she seems like to be the only one who is like awake in this weird place that we're in. And I just, I guess what really bothered me was just how cruel and maybe cruel isn't the right word, but how, distant and unfriendly maxim became when they got back to manderley yeah and and then for her to for some reason stick up for him and still be in love and help him get away with murder it It didn't make sense and super weird but i you said something yesterday that you thought the like the cinematography and the set design was really pretty oh yeah yeah and i agree i think it's visually a very very pleasing movie and it did i never got bored you said you you mentioned that you kind of got bored but i i it kept my interest the whole time i i think it was it was not boring but i do think like the twist was like a really bad twist and not well it was done. bad maybe not a bad because i guess i'm assuming that the original has the same twist but it was badly done right yeah, yeah. i do actually want to talk a little bit more about the sister not specifically the sister but the grand the grandma oh yeah so okay well first of all one thing i want to say is it's it's logical i think at that point in time to um, maybe live with multiple family members in a big house like that, you know? So it's totally possible that they could have had the sister living with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a family estate for sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, but maybe that's not what they wanted to do because they wanted to, um, you know, have it be more creepier and settling, which it wasn't, but the grandma, <laughs> <laughs> the grandma, felt like 
she was about to bring that into it, you know, where she yes. grabs her, she grabs Mrs. DeWinter's wrist and she says, I can't remember what she said. She says something like, you're not her, you're not Rebecca, you're not her or something. And it's like very, it, it is a little creepy and it's a little unsettling, but that also was a bit of a letdown because even that, like, I felt like there should have been more there and there wasn't. And so I was kind of like waiting for it to get just a little bit creepier with that. And it didn't. And I was like, this would have been, again, as the sleepwalking would have been an excellent way to bring something unsettling into the story. And they just didn't do it. And <laughs> they failed on that. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And there's something I really liked about that scene that also became a letdown, just to piggyback on what you're saying. So it gets really awkward because the grandma just keeps saying like, you're not Rebecca, you're not Rebecca. And they like hustle her into a car. And once again, Maxim just, he can't even handle, like you can't even say the word like Bebecca around him because he'll just like abandon you and, and tr- right. you become broody. Like he can't hear the anything Rebecca related. And that's becomes really annoying because she's your wife. And if you really love her, like you say you do talk to her tell her i'm not ready to talk about this and it's hard when she comes up but don't shut her out and abandon her and act like oh he was so he was so emo it drove me nuts like i wanted to slap him yeah because i did too his behavior was ridiculous and so so the grandma brings up rebecca obviously and they shuttle her off and he abandons mrs de winter to go i don't know be a uh like a piss baby somewhere and then and then so then the her housekeeper her lady's maid is like trying to put a coat on her and and mrs de winter is very flustered because the whole thing is very stressful because she's like alone among these very strange people suddenly strange people he wasn't strange when they met in monte carlo and she's in this big house she doesn't know what's going on nobody is consoling her and her lady's maid is like trying to put this coat on her and she's like stop it and she like fights her off like i can dress myself and she puts the coat on and then the intensity continues to build because she goes in the house and mrs danvers is um they're accusing another uh, mrs danvers is there talking to maxim accusing one of the male members of the staff of stealing a glass sculpture that was very pricey and it's very intense for a second and mrs de winter speaks up and she says oh i i broke it he didn't steal it i broke it and then maxim is still even more angry with her and she has done nothing wrong i mean breaking something and not telling anybody yeah that's like not the best but it's still not like you're not her dad she's not a child it's a stupid artifact whatever you're mad at her for your grandma bringing up your dead wife's name and and he just like gives her a look and walks away and then she's abandoned there again and then she rips the coat off and like throw oh no she finds a handkerchief in the pocket and she figured and it has an r embroidered on it and she's like oh this coat was rebecca's so she rips the coat off and throws it down and then that's it yeah and i thought like that rage should have carried her way further and to make it more creepy her husband could have like almost like gotten warmer to her and like treated her nicely at that point because then we would have at least seen like highs and lows that like 
maybe almost like an abusive relationship would have where he like is like oh that was so awkward i'm so sorry like he could have done something so then we could see how maybe she could be like um brainwashed into loving him because oh yeah like an abuser almost but instead this horrible situation has happened no one consoles her she's all alone she has no one not even her husband wants to like try to help her navigate these waters and then that and then by the next scene she's just back to like doting on him and wanting yeah. to be a part of his life and and it just went nowhere and that like i was angry for her in that scene and that made me i like her passion when she ripped the jacket off and and threw it on the ground I thought was really good and I was expecting that to like keep building throughout the movie but it didn't it just like went back down to like the same like okay well we'll just pretend that didn't happen you know yeah so to piggyback on what you're saying I think actually that having him be an emotionally abusive character would have been much more compelling and would have made a lot more sense as to who he was yeah because it's not unheard of for abusers to murder their wives. You know, it is not and to drive of. like it happens all the it time. Could have driven her to, I mean, like it could, like not everybody who has an affair has been abused, but it could be a good catalyst for why she had affairs, you know? Yep. Yeah. And also, um, one of the things I want to say, actually, I was just thinking about this with, um, there's a couple in 90 day fiance who I can't remember the girl's name, but I think the guy's name is Jason. And um, so she comes to this country and he's like, he's like, so-and-so is acting so clingy. I can't even handle it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And his friends are like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? She left her home to be with you and you're not emotionally supporting her. And that's just totally Mm. what reminds me of Maxim is that it's like, she left the comfort of what she knew to be with you and he should be going out of his way to want to spend time with his wife. He should be wanting to be like, Hey babe, what if we have a, you know, like I show you around this part of the house. That's my favorite. Or, you know, like I'll show you my favorite room instead of someone that you don't know leading you on a tour, like just anything. And it would have made more sense if he was so, you know, high and lows with the cold um manipulative and abusive behavior but again it's just like instead they just did this weird like cold distant thing where he's only like really warm in bed and like accepting or like apologetic or something so like he's only apologizing at the end of the day and it 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 would I, it, I think it would make more sense if he was like that for her, for Mrs. DeWinter to support him when it comes out that he did kill Rebecca, you know, yeah. because he can always paint it in a way like, no, I was the victim here. She was the one that was, you know, she yep. was psychologically tormenting me. She was doing this. She was doing that, you know, um, and it, 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 it <laughs> again it just fell flat it's like Mm -hmm. you know it's and i agree with you i think like maybe even if the grandma had lived with them and they like kept building that spookiness of her with her like sort of dementia dementia interludes where she would be like oh i thought i saw rebecca here you know like just things like that i think that would have been really spooky because i agree with you like 
as a spooky species, we really, <laughs> it really would be good to make it absolutely no supernatural, but enough human spookiness yeah, to like make it compelling in that way. Yeah. And they kept doing things I noticed where they would like, it would seem like there was like a dark haired woman walking down the hallway. Yeah. And they only did that like really twice. And I felt like that was kind of out of place too and wasn't really necessary because it was like they were like, oh, by the way, Rebecca's haunting this place, but like not really. So you're like, yeah. So is she or is she not? Because, you know, like there is no like, oh, maybe there's a haunting. It's either there is one or there's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, and in, in they had a scene where they played, um, like, totally uncharacteristically in the movie. She has that another weird, like, drug trippy dream, and they play Go Ask Alice, that song. Yeah. And I thought that was totally out of place. Like, the movie did not, is not, up until that point, the movie is not set up as, like, a hip, like, a hip psychological thriller that uses like more modern day music than what was like i'm i'm assuming the movie took place around like the 1930s or 40s there was and- a um there was an invitation that she had that she when she when mrs de winter was going through rebecca's things that said 1935 so i'm okay. guessing it's like the very beginning of probably like world war Two is about to happen i would say it was probably like maybe I would say you could like probably 39. add like two years onto that. Yeah, yeah like 1937, yeah. 37. 39-ish, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And so it didn't set it itself up to be a movie that played like rock and roll hits from the 60s in the future and like this like hip, it, it was weird. Like it was just so uncharacteristic of the rest of the movie and I didn't care for it because I, I think that song is very cliche. It's not a bad song. I don't have anything against that song. But I mean, if I was in seventh grade and I was going to make a little video about a drug trip, that's the song I would choose, you know? <laughs> yes, so, yeah. And she didn't even take drugs. It was just a weird dream. And, right. and so, yeah, I just, I, I thought that that was pretty lazy. I think like most filmmakers, I would think are better than that at this point because that song has been just used to death, you know? Yeah. And again, like what you said in my mind, it's not, it's not period appropriate. Right. Yeah, it's not at all. Mm-hmm. So, would you recommend it? Yeah, I would. I think. I mean, I would recommend it to watch it the way I watched it. I, you know, obviously I watched it for the podcast, but I just, I turned it on, and I was entertained. Um, I expected it to be a better movie than it was. As I started, like, as the movie was progressing in the first like twenty minutes, I started expecting it to be a better movie. Yeah. Then it became. And so as I was watching it, I it like heightened my expectations and lowered them all at once. But I would recommend it. I think it's I think it's worth watching if you see the trailer and you think I might like that. Why not just give it a shot? It's on Netflix. Um, don't expect it to be amazing. It might do what it did to Lauren and and encourage you to like find the better pieces. But anyway, would you recommend it? Um, you know, I think last night I would have said yes, but now that I've talked about it, I don't think I would. <laughs> I think, no, nah, I'm, I was pretty fired up last night, actually. Um, and I was considering asking if you wanted to record last night, but then I was feeling like, I was like, no, I'm too tired for this shit. So, um, but I, I think that I don't think I would, I think I would be like, you know, you can watch it if you want, but it's, 
it's not going to be what you expect and it's it it leaves a lot to be desired and i think it's it's disappointing to be honest yeah 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 i think it um it's very visually pretty yep yeah but and i think i i think lily james performance and kristen scott thomas both do very well yes i do too um army hammer he's very like basic in the movie he doesn't really do much he's i'm not a big army hammer fan and he's fine but yeah and oh i did have one more question there was a scene where kristen kristen scott thomas mrs danvers is um they're looking for like the doctor's name the property manager and mrs de winter and mrs danvers comes in and she's like and you pretending to be allegiant to maxim but then crying at the cottage door every night what did she mean did she imply that the property manager slept with rebecca i think so okay yeah that's it was just a question anyway I think, no i think you're i think you're right about that i think that there was something maybe going on between them because it seems like maybe the reason that mrs danvers was upset was because um she was so dedicated to rebecca that she was like you 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 know she's she's pointing at frank and she's going you're a backstabber you know you were on my side but now you're on his side and and i could i could understand why she'd be upset coming from that perspective you know yeah yeah okay that makes sense i mean he wasn't a bad looking guy like i get it you know i mean he's definitely not unattractive you know i think something like that i think that storyline would have played even further into like painting mrs danvers motivation yeah because like all these people say they love the husband but then they're sleeping with the wife and the husband like just make the husband look like a bad guy a little bit more than you did and yeah anyway so that clears I mean, it up that I, I was think my, that yeah the thing is i think that the the watcher needs to have more mixed feelings about maxim and yeah. there's not yes yes yeah. well said it's, yes it's like in the beginning you're kind of like oh he's kind of sweet but then he just gets weird and like distant and cold and just he just stays cold and yeah yeah it's just a big old piss baby he was a big old piss baby yeah um so yeah uh no i don't think i would recommend this i think i would tell people that if you're gonna find if you're gonna watch a movie that's spooky and that's gonna unsettle you it's not gonna be this one and so don't waste your time that's what i would say yeah 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 i i did have different feelings but now that i've talked through them i'm like no my feelings are not good (laughs) (laughs) anyway um you can follow us on instagram at watchers and movies we're on facebook at watchers and movies we have another instagram called the the watchers who find things because some reason i always forget what it's called uh you we have a website it's watchers and movies.weebly.com and is there anything else oh yeah if you want to uh send us a message or you have thoughts on the movie or whatever you want to you know just talk send us a dm send us an email we're we're more than happy to hear your thoughts we'd love to hear people's thoughts about the movie uh yeah so and thank you to mike for our theme music yes his name is mike myers you can find him on twitter at the mike show 42 thank you mike thanks mike and if you want us to review a movie head over to itunes give us five stars write a review with the title you would like us to go over and we will shoot that one up to the top 
if you are unable to go to iTunes for some reason, you can always send us a message with a movie and we will review it. It just won't be prioritized like the ones from iTunes. Yep. 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 Give us five stars. That's what you got to do. <laughs> give five us five stars. stars. If you give us three stars, we're not going to review your movie. <laughs> Why give three when you could just give two more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, bye-bye. Bye-bye.